This is an ABC podcast. Something needs to happen straight away. Like there's so many more mothers out there around this area that are in this situation, ready to give birth or, you know, coming up and not enough staff. We just want these issues addressed, like obviously more staff, midwives and the doctors. Often on Australia Wide, we hear from women like Rebecca Grave who feel the health system let her down because of where she lives in regional Tasmania. Statistics show that if you live rural or remote, your risks of giving birth on the side of the road are much greater. And advocates say the health system is putting women and babies at risk. Today on Australia Wide, I'm joined by a group of women who are looking to make changes that will lead to better outcomes for the babies being born in regional Australia. I'm Sinead Mangan and this is Australia Wide, coming to you from Wadja Country. If the umbilical cord had been round her neck, if I'd bled heavily after giving birth, if her shoulder had been caught, you know, if one little thing had been different we would have been at great risk. They advised me, uh, I think about 10 o'clock, like later in the evening, that there were, the labour ward was full and there was no midwives available, not enough staff on to assist. So they would try again the next morning. And then the next morning, the same situation. The labour ward was still full and not enough staff on. We were told that there wouldn't be access to an epidural, but... Uh, They were, you know, well-equipped if things didn't go very well. I was screaming for someone to kill me and I legitimately meant that. It was excruciatingly painful. I was induced with the gel on the Sunday night at about 6pm. They came back at 2am and said, we're going to have to stop your induction. Uh, We don't have enough staff to continue with it tonight. And in that time, I'd been contracting for the six hours strongly. Um, So I went into my birth the next day when I was induced again. I had no sleep. I was scared. I was stressed. Any positive mind frame I had at this birth was completely gone. The midwife got called to other births, spontaneous birth, which does happen. Um, and he was telling me when to push when I couldn't feel the contractions. So he was actually watching the monitor. Instead of being my birthing partner and being supporting me, he was my midwife. He was holding my legs while I pushed. He was taking my blood pressure. I couldn't have um, sat buckled in because of the strength of the contractions. So I was on my knees facing the passenger seat and I was holding on to the passenger seat and the glove box was at my back. It's unacceptable that in somewhere like Australia, a woman would have to give birth by the side of the road. The voices of women from all around regional Australia. As you heard chinchilla woman there, Yvette Bracefield say, it's not acceptable in somewhere like Australia that women are giving birth on the side of the road. Yet it does happen. Only this week you would have heard stories on Australia wide of traumatic births because there simply were not the staff or facilities for that birth to take place safely at home or at the local hospital. So what can be done to improve things? Today I'm joined by a panel of guests who've dedicated their careers to rural and remote health and maternity issues are very close to all of their hearts. Petra Rutherford from the Chief Executive Rural Doctors Association of Australia. She joins me from Canberra. The National Rural Health Commissioner, Dr Ruth Stewart, joins me from Roma in Queensland. And Alison Weatherstone is the Chief Midwife from, from the Australian College of Midwives and she joins me from Cairns. Welcome, ladies. Hello, thank you for having us. Not at all. Now, you get a collection of mothers together and the likelihood of one of them having 
a traumatic birth story is is, is really high. It, it often happens. But as we've just heard in the country, it can be different. And we've heard there that women are literally giving birth on the side of the road. Why is that happening? And we might start with you, Peter Rutherford. Well, I think in Australia, you know, we often hear, particularly for our rural and remote communities, the tyranny of distance. And when we see services under pressure, that can mean another, you know, one hour, two hours, even three hour road trip to the next service. So when there is a service under pressure, a maternity service under pressure, it has huge implications. And, you know, babies don't come on cue, don't, you know, come according to what is convenient for mum and convenient for health professionals. They come when they're ready. And, um, you know, we see different times of, you know, how long a woman is in labour and it's really unfortunate. And as we see services close or go on bypass, um, unfortunately, this becomes a reality for many more rural women and a, a real risk for many more rural women. So it's certainly something that we are concerned about and we need to make sure that we absolutely reduce the potential of this ever happening. Dr. Ruth Stewart, when you hear there, you know, more and more services are closing, how do you reflect on that, that these women can be put into these precarious situations as a result of that? I think about a survey that was conducted by the Council of Australian Governments a few years ago where they asked women what they want from maternity services and the, the top um, priorities were continuity of care and carer to make informed choices to choose a model of care that suits them and to make those choices in a collaborative manner with their care providers and to be as close to home as possible now in the between 1991 and 1992 and 2011 in um, Australia there was a 41% reduction in maternity units in Australia. Most of those closures were in rural areas. And over that same time, there was a 47% increase in babies being born before arrival. Um, so I think we are failing um, rural women in Australia. But the good thing is that we are getting much more knowledgeable about what we can do um, we just have to get that knowledge put uh, into policy. That's, I mean, they, those figures are, are really quite alarming. So you're saying in about 25 years, half the services that were available were gone. Yes. Alison Weatherstone, how does that play out as a, as a midwife? I absolutely echo what both Ruth and Peter have said. It is a concern. Uh, we are seeing women that are having to relocate from their home and often they have uh, additional family members and the social and financial implications for relocating for birthing, and that's across Australia. And sometimes women have to leave from 34, 36 weeks, so spending six weeks in another uh, metropolitan area or their closest tertiary birthing facility is a real uh, impact to their family and also interrupts what is their um, the late period of their pregnancy, which can then contribute to their um, mental health and their ability to uh, adapt into the, the parenting environment that happens after in that postnatal period when they really should be enjoying 
the new addition to their family and not having to worry about a lot of other things like where to give birth, do I, what, when do I have to leave and what supports are available. Dr. Ruth Stewart, can I go back, a, go back a step there? So, so in this period of time, so we're talking about, you know, give or take 25 years, services disappeared. Why? Why? Why the, did, what was the, the decision rationale. making around that? So uh, the, the decision-making isn't necessarily up front, but the rationale that is usually quoted um, refers to issues of safety, uh, uh, issues of finance um, and workforce. Uh, issues of safety, there is really strong evidence that it is safe to have a baby in a small rural maternity service. That in fact, it's much safer to give birth in a small rural maternity service than give birth in a community where there is no small maternity service. There was a lot of research attention paid in uh, the 90s and early noughties on to you know what, what size is safe. No one ever came up with a figure. So we just have to say that we're there. And, and I think I really like the, um, the quote from um, one of the Australian uh, researchers that says really where there is strong clinical safety governance around a maternity service then it can be as safe to give birth in a small rural maternity service as it is um, in a much larger service. Peter now I understand this is still happening there is still small regional hospital maternity wards and maternity services it's still happening that these are closing down, but it's at a much slower pace than what you know what happened between ninety two and two thousand and eleven. Why are services still being pulled out of regional Australia? Well, I think the the reasons that Ruth explained before are still being put up um, as the reasons for closures. So it's too expensive; they can't get the workforce. Um, every now and then, you hear the safety one, um, but that's become a little bit less um, of a reason that's used mainly because they know they're wrong um, and they'll be quickly proved that that's, they're hiding behind a different um, reason. And it does come, a lot of it, it does come down to workforce. And what we often see is that, you know, at the moment we're seeing closures, we're seeing services go on bypass, but what's hidden is a service that's currently being propped up by a road door of locums and what often happens then is that women themselves start to make the choice they don't know the doctor they don't know the midwife because they're using agency and locum staff or if it is you know a service is having a short period of bypass a lot of women just want certainty they want to know where they're going to birth so they then sort of make the decision to birth elsewhere and then what we see is birth numbers drop and it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy that management start to use and go, oh, well, there's hardly any births happening here. Right. We can close it. And mm. I, I think, you know, it's it's hiding behind other reasons um, as to what needs to happen. And workforce is a big part of it and the cost of that. But again, the cost to the woman and to the family and it's not just about the travel and accommodation it is about you know if they've got other children the costs of that the costs to the broader community and the fact that a lot of you know young families decide to leave a rural community because they can't birth locally if they're still thinking about having more children so there's a huge individual cost to the patient to the family but also to the broader rural community. 
Alison, is this your experience, what Peter's describing, this thing of hospitals being bypassed because of because of a lack of staffing and patients making decisions based on the fact that they don't have continuity of care. Is that what you see? Yes, definitely. Uh, I think the locum workforce is definitely impacting the midwifery workforce as well. And that impacts on the ability to provide continuity of care to women, which we know has a range of benefits for um, reducing preterm birth, for uh, you know, having a positive birth experience mm. and more likely to breastfeed. So those sorts of things are very much impacting women's choice and they're seeking that potentially elsewhere. But there's also, I believe, been an increase in women choosing to free birth or home birth because they just can't leave their homes either and that poses another um, uh, concern. Tell me about that. Tell me about I know something that, you know, let's look at the positives and things that might change, you know, that might change the situation. One of the things that you're very supportive of is the idea of publicly funded home births. How would you see this improving outcomes for people, for women in the regions? Publicly funded home birth that has a very good governance structure around it and has uh, referral pathways in for women is, again, another safe way to birth. And there's also the privately practising midwives who work to their full scope of midwifery. Ruth, another solution or, or something you'd like to see is more maternity group practices. What does that mean? What would that look like? So, so midwifery group practices with wraparound general practitioner um, services so that the midwifery group practice and the general practitioners provide continuity of care to women they know well um, and this is a, a model that um, is that is much more sustainable. It enables midwives to focus on being midwives. Um, it enables the hospitals to employ them as midwives and not be looking for them to be doing other tasks that they may not be prepared for. And it enables um, the, the provision of um, medical care to women who need it but only when, but when they need it. it, it's going, it's sort of cracking the mould a bit, going against um, past practices. So it takes quite a bit of effort to establish and sustain these because, you know, they're they're different to the way that things have been done in the past, and certainly different to the way it's done in the large um, urban centres where most of our clinicians are trained. What do you mean by cracking the mould? In what ways are cracking the mould? What's so, so different um, about it? Okay, so most of the um, birthing services in Australia are uh, a birthing centre mm-hmm. uh, or birthing, you know, birth suite where there's staff rostered on, midwives rostered on, doctors rostered on, and other support staff. The concept of creating a connection between uh, putting the woman at the centre of of the planning and the model of care of designing services so that the woman's care comes first and decisions are made around that that's different and that's in so talking the... about the the rural services costing more this is one of the issues it costs more to do it like this so in this case, then rosters would it would mean I'd imagine for midwives, Alison, this would be a huge change, would it? 
Uh, There are many midwives working in continuity of care or caseload models across Australia and that provides them with uh, flexibility to, they don't work to a rostered system, they have a number of women that they care for over a 12 month period and then they're on call for their women 10 days out of every 14 and they have a buddy or a backup midwife for those days when we actually do need some downtime to um, make sure that we are able to provide absolute quality care for women when they need it because we do know uh, as we said earlier that babies are born at all times of the day and night and so a lot of the universities are training midwives now to be work ready for continuity of care models and so there's been a number of uh, research papers produced around continuity of midwifery care and uh, that they have actually found to cost uh, the health system up to 20% less when implemented and resourced appropriately. And I think the attraction to uh, midwifery group practice or a caseload model is that you do get to work with your women and you really get to know who your partners are to refer them within the community. I absolutely agree that it needs to be collaborative and a wraparound service for the woman. So um, it's, it is attractive to midwives, uh, but we would like to see more of them implemented across Australia. Peter Rutherford, from your point of view as someone who's, you know looks at the administration of, of all of this, does this look like a model that could be quite usable and, and transferable in, in, the, in the regions of Australia? Yeah, I think it is about that collaborative model and having a workforce, you know, that is respectful of each other um, and the opportunities and the skills that each brings. But I think keeping mum and baby at the centre and the focus and then also looking at a model that works for that community. I mean, we're talking with services that have, you know, quite low birth numbers in some places. It could build up if we get the model right. And I think, you know, we need to make sure that these models work for services, you know, that are delivering 50 to 60 babies a year um, because it's still a critical need in that community. And we need to make sure that the, the doctors are supporting the midwives, the midwives are supporting the doctors and that they're all working together with a focus on mum and baby. A big part of your work at the Rural Doctors Association of Australia is getting as many doctors to the bush as possible. What, what can be done to attract those GP obstetricians to country areas that have those skills? Look, I, I think, um, and Ruth can talk to this as well, because um, the National Rural Generalist Pathway is absolutely a key to this and fully implementing it across the country. Um, talking with doctors and really, you know, emphasising the opportunities that um, being a rural generalist with obstetrics or anaesthetics, you know, what those opportunities provide. Um, When you talk to rural doctors who do this as a job, they love it. They don't Mm. understand why more people aren't choosing it. Um, You know, and doing it in a a small rural community you really do know your patient. You often will not only know the mum, you'll know all the other children. You've probably, you know, been involved in the delivery or certainly antenatal, postnatal care, child health care. Um, but you'll also know grandparents. You'll know the broader family unit. So there is that real opportunity to connect with your your patients, with the mums, and really add value to the, to the experience of being a new mum or having a new baby. As a doctor yourself, Dr. Ruth Stewart, how important is it for you, you know, when you're practicing to be at the core there, knowing, you know, the family and the extended family and, and the kind of care you can then give that patient? 
Oh, it's just uh, really wonderful. Um, I, to be honest, I got involved in um, academic work, research, and uh, and um, training things because I was thinking I have the best job in the world. Why aren't there more people following me? The the engagement with when when you have delivered. Um, a you know a number of babies within a, an extended family, you get such a deep understanding of the needs and requirements that the, the uh, women build such trust in you. I can tell you stories of of women who travel, you know, a very long distance to return to their community of origin because they know and trust the clinicians there. Um, mm. But also things like when when a woman has been through trauma of one kind or another and then becomes pregnant, it really makes uh, a great difference to her if she can engage once again with those trusted clinicians who know her story, who she doesn't have to explain why it would be really traumatic if this happened or that happened. Mm. And we can just anticipate that. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. I, sometimes I used to think that I was involved, I was a GP obstetrician because I just love the highs of, <laughs> of being there at a birth. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience. Well, I'm sure, Alison, you know all about it, hey? Absolutely. I think midwifery is such an amazing profession and I have had a very great experience in my career a lot of that has been in rural and remote areas and a lot of my most um, trusted friends and colleagues are my medical um, colleagues and the stories that we tell together in rural and remote areas are incredible they give you goosebumps and it is just really nice when you go to an event or to the supermarket and someone recognizes you because you've been there to support them through the birth of either their children or someone that they know. Um, there's also a lot of uh, social connection in rural and remote areas and there's a lot of uh, real culture that you can share and be part of in different parts of Australia. So uh, I think, you know, midwifery and obstetrics and just maternity services in general is extremely rewarding. And what I would like to see is that we actually really raise the profile of um, midwives and GP obstetrics and obstetricians to attract people into this field. Uh, birthing's never going away. We're having more and more babies every year. And so we really need to individualise that experience for women. And the impacts of that that will have on the whole lifespan are incredible. We refer like to rural, remote and regional Australia. And we kind of refer to them as one big blob often. You know, and there's this discussion about about what's going on. And, and they're just not the same. You know, every part of that is a different thing. How much do you think that plays into maternity care? A huge the- amount. A huge <laughs> amount. Yeah. Um, the, it's, the issues are very different in regional um, centres to small rural towns, uh, large rural towns to those in small rural towns to those in remote communities. I've worked in both small rural towns um, and uh, remote communities and there is there's so many things are different. Alison, I think you've also worked in across that kind of range too, haven't you? Yes, I have. Yes. In yeah. Australia and Queensland. Uh, sorry, Western Australia and Queensland. Yes. But often from a bureaucratic point of view, it's referred to as one big thing. 
Yeah. Do you think that affects? And it's not. And it's not. No. So, no. Peter, from your where you are in Canberra, how does that play out when you're trying to negotiate and talk about something that is so different, but we're referring to it like it's often referred to as one big thing? And you completely right and that's been something that the Rural Doctors Association over the last few years has really pushed about you know what is real rural versus what is regional and remote um, and we can't you know we can't continue to group them together I would say that's rare as opposed to the norm this is ABC Australia wide and thanks to the Chief Executive of the Rural Doctors Association of Australia, Peter Rutherford, National Rural Health Commissioner, Dr Ruth Stewart, and Alison Weatherstone, the Chief Midwife from the Australian College of Midwives, for joining me today on Australia Wide. And of course, thanks to the wonderful Medicine Snow for all of her production work over this past fortnight. I'm Sinead Mangan. I hope you have a lovely weekend. Cheerio. This is an ABC podcast.